Is my bike on? Outstanding. Now I'm going to take my glasses off so I can see my words. I want to see everybody first, and I, now I'm going to be able to take them off so I can see my words. I don't need them to see my words, but I need them to see you. So it's so good to be here on tonight. So appreciative for the invitation. Uh, know a lot of people here. Uh, did know some that are here that I do know, played some ball with in college and everything. And also uh, some of my coworkers are here. Good to see those from Holt Street that are here and all those that are visiting with us on tonight. We thank Brother Doug for this invitation and the elder leadership here uh, for giving me this opportunity on tonight. Now, I understand that I have uh, till about 710, so we're going to get right down to business because I don't want to be here to 1210, and we're just going to go to 710. But we have a subject matter tonight that we want to discuss, and I'm the preacher that had to come in and talk about money on tonight because I got theft. And as we look at theft, and we look at it from this vantage point, about $25 million a day is taken from retailers every day. There's about $13 billion a year that retailers lose by theft. One in every three companies shut down because of employee theft. Most of your thieves say that they are able to steal 48 times before one time they're caught in every 48. In 2020, the corporations figured on next year that they will spend 101.6 billion dollars on cyber services and security. Now, why is theft such a big problem? Because it'll keep us out of heaven. First Corinthians six and verse number nine, Paul says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So theft is a serious problem because it'll keep us out of heaven. But I think the Bible is more in depth on theft than we actually think when we look at theft. When we go to Exodus, and y'all turn that with me if you will, Exodus chapter 20, the eighth commandment. Exodus 20 and 15, thou shall not steal. We got four words. And actually in the Hebrew, there's only two words. Don't steal. Now, we got to preach 40 minutes on two words. Don't steal. Well, it's elaborate, my friend. When we look at this Bible and we look at Exodus and we get halfway through Exodus and we look at Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. In the book of Exodus, all the way through the first half, we have a lot of narrative. About midway's Exodus, a little bit after the middle of Exodus, we really go into Leviticus and we start getting laws. But we look at what we see in the Pentateuch thereafter are derivatives of the Ten Commandments. So now as we look at these Ten Commandments and we look at this theft, let us consider this on tonight. God has a heart for the poor. 
Now, why is it that God was so concerned about theft? Well, everything we see in the 10, the first four are actually our duties to God. The last six are our duties to our fellow man. And we know of a certainty after Pentecost, we don't read about remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We know we worship God on the first day of the week, Acts 20 in verse number seven. Now, let's get into this together. I want you to go with me and look at the general definition of theft. Exodus chapter 22 and verse number one. This is how we generally view theft in its most basic meaning. If a man steal an ox or a sheep and kill it or sell it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four for a sheep. Verse two. If a thief be found breaking upon and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. Now, here's the deal. If we stole a man ox, sheep, ox, we had five oxen for an ox, four sheep for a sheep. We remember in the story in 2 Samuel chapter 12 uh, when Nathan comes to David concerning Bathsheba and he gives him the story, the parable uh, of one man had one little ewe lamb and that's the only ewe lamb he had. And this other man had plenty of lambs and he came and took this one man's lamb and David was all upset about it, didn't know he was talking about him. And he said, you know, that man should be restored fourfold. That's what the law said. But now, so if you took something, you ought to give it back. And then in verse two, we find if a thief were to be breaking in and smitten, breaking up and be smitten that he die and no blood be that no blood be shed for him. Now, that's what we call our equivalent of justifiable homicide. All right. But now we go on and that was at night. But in the daytime, if that would have transpired, you would have killed him. Then you were subject to his nearest kinsman and the avenger of blood. So in its basic definition. Theft is taking something that belongs to somebody else. And we usually think of goods and services. Now, why is God so uh, why is this so important to God? Number one, everything we see in the 10 is the very nature and the essence of God. So theft is wrong by virtue of the fact God is a giver. God is not a taker. And when you steal something from somebody, you are embarking on that person's livelihood. So that is a sin. Now, when we look at this even further. I want you to turn with me. And first of all, that's the basic definition. Now, let's look at some intricate details, because God is saying more than just you took this man's ox. So give him the oxen back. Theft involves more than that. Let's look together. Turn, if you will, in your Bible to Deuteronomy. Chapter 24. Deuteronomy, the 24th chapter. And when we talk about Deuteronomy, we people usually say, well, this is the second law. No, it's the second giving of the law. God didn't give a different law. This is just the law that he gave the second time to the group that didn't get it the first time before the first 40 years. And now he gives it to them the second time for this new generation 40 years later. So it's the second giving of the law, not a second law. 
All right. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Verse 14 and 15. The text says, Thou shalt not oppress a hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or thy strangers that are in the land within the gates. And his day, and his day thou shalt give him his hire. Neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor, and he setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against the Lord, and it be a sin unto thee. Now what is this? I think there's a connection in the Bible with taking something that belongs to somebody and withholding something that you should give to somebody because it belongs to them. Now, what's the scenario here? We got a man that's hired a servant. He's poor. He needs his money at the end of the day. You don't hold that man's money longer than that night. God says you don't do that. He's poor. There's two reasons God is concerned about that. God is concerned about the money aspect of it because he needs it. Then he says he'll cry unto the Lord. So God is concerned about the money and the misery. Why? We're holding back something that belongs to someone else. You hadn't stole it, but you're holding it. God said, if you don't pay the man, after the day is over, he said, you're wrong. So we got to make a connection between the actual taking of property, because when we look at it, by implication, when we say theft, that means that means that property or property rights has to exist. So we are either taking someone's property or we are taking some rights. In this case, we are taking his right to be paid at sunset. So now, that's one thing. So we got a man that hires a servant and doesn't pay him at the end of the day. He needs his money. He's poor. You can't deprive him of that right. Secondly, turn me if you will, to the book of Exodus chapter 22. Exodus the 22nd chapter. Verse 26 and 27. If thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge, thou shalt deliver it unto him by that the sun goeth down. Okay? Now here's the deal. You take a person's cloak as collateral for something you've lent to them, money, but every night you had to take the man's cloak back. 
Now, what does that mean? That means that there has to be something about that cloak that's very pertinent to God. What is it? That cloak represents something relative to his livelihood. The cloaks or the coats were just not something pretty that you put on. No, 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 no. This is a blanket, a covering that's used in the same manner that you would use a sleeping bag at night. What did Paul ask Timothy, uh, Timothy to bring in 2 Timothy chapter 4? Because he knew he was going to be in that cold, damp prison. Bring the cloak. So if you took a man's cloak, you had to take it back to him every night. So what did that actually mean? I shouldn't have took it in the first place. I may as well just let him keep it cold. Because it's necessary for his daily life. So I don't want to take something from a person that's necessary for his daily life, seeing that he's already poor. I'm violating his rights. Notice verse number 27. There's something about God in this text. For his covering only is the raiment for his skin. Wherein shall he sleep? Okay, so he's got to cover up with this. And how is he going to sleep when he's cold and shivering? He doesn't have anything to keep his body warm. Then he says, and it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me. Here we go again. He's crying out to God. He says, he cries to me. And I will hear for what? I am gracious. So God has a loving favor for the poor and we should not deprive them of anything that's associated with their daily existence. God says, I am gracious. And you know something? God did something so that there would be few poor in the community. When we read Deuteronomy and Exodus and Leviticus, we're talking about a community atmosphere. We're talking about all brethren. We're talking about people that are, that are children of Jacob. Essentially. So why would you take this from the person in your community? And not only that, your brother. Why would you do that? So watch what God does. I'm not going to read all of this, but I want you to read it tonight. You promise you're going to read it? If you say yes, I won't read it all. Amen. Deuteronomy. Chapter 15, I want you to read this tonight. We know of the seventh year, what God did every seventh. Whatever debt there was in the seventh year, God wiped the books clean. So why did God do that? How many of us in here have debt? What if in seven years you had no debt? Wouldn't that be great? How would the economy be? How would we be? God was doing something with this seventh year. He wanted his people to be able to thrive. So he did something. Deuteronomy 15 and 1, at the end of every seven years, thou shalt make a release. 
And in this manner release every creditor that lendeth all unto his brother shall release it, and he shall not exact on his neighbor or his brother because it is called the, the Lord's release. So that seventh year, your brother, you had to release him of his debt. Now, somebody probably had the mindset of, well, it's almost time for seven years to be up. So I need to do something to get my money. Drop down to verse number seven. And there be among you a poor man, one of thy brethren with any of thy gates in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth. Thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from the poor brother. But thou wilt open thine hand wide unto him, and shall surely limb him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Verse 9. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying the seventh year, the year releases that hand, and then I shall be evil against the poor brother. And thou givest him not, nothing, and he cried to the Lord against thee, and it's a sin unto thee. Now, what did he steal from him? What did he take physically? Didn't did he? But guess what? He had to release him of the debt that he had. Now, what if you didn't release him of the debt that he had? You violated his rights. Were you stealing from him? What you consider that? Now, God didn't make this same stipulation for those who were not of the brethren. If you'll notice verse four of a foreigner, thou mayest exact it again. Now, if he was one that was just wandering in and doing commercial business or whatever the case may be, God says after the seventh year, you still can charge him, but you can't charge your brother. So now we got a man that's hired a servant and doesn't pay him at the end of the day. He's withholding from him. Now we got a man that has got into his seventh year. And it's time for him to be, we can't withhold it from him. We can't keep charging him for it. We got a man that we've taken a cloak from. And he needs it as his covering. And we got to take it back to him every night. So we may have just let him keep it. Because we can't deprive him of that. We're taking it from him. We're taking something from him. Notice. Turn with me, Will, to Deuteronomy 24. There's something else. Remember when Jesus talked about the millstone being hanging around a person's neck if they did something to one of these little ones? Remember that? Turn me to Deuteronomy right quickly. Chapter 24. And verse number 6. No man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge. For he taketh a man's life to pledge. Now, we got two Stones. We got the upper millstone and we got the nether. We got the lower in the, uh, in, 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 in the higher millstone. And we got the donkey that takes the millstone around the top millstone. And we got the bottom millstone and we got the grain in between the millstones. And so they're taking it and they're grinding the meal for his livelihood. Now, what if you take the stone that he grinds the meal with? You can't take that from him because that's his livelihood. 
God says you can't do that. So theft is really a little more than about just picking up something out of Walmart and taking it. When we look at the economy of God, God has a heart for the poor. God is a giver, not a taker. For the Apostle Paul tells us in Acts 20 and 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How much is God concerned about the underprivileged? First John 3.17. But whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. Now I want you to notice the latter part and I want you to mark that in your Bible. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Now what does that teach us? That if we have the love of God, God's love would not have a person to be afflicted in that manner. If God loves dwell in me, why would I withhold that right from that individual? If I say the love of God dwells in me. We wouldn't do it, would we? Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. Another scenario. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in the field and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for a stranger, for the fatherless and for the widow. For the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the works of thine hand. Now, you know what our concept is in America and in the business world? We want to get everything and we want it. Everything is about the bottom line. Guess what? When you go do a business deal, you want to make sure one thing, you don't leave anything on the table. But God says, no, 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 no. I want you to leave something on the table. I want you to leave something in the field for the poor because you already have enough. You already have in abundance and you have an abundance and there's someone that has need. And I'm telling you that when you go and you harvest in your field, you intentionally leave something in the field. Isn't that what happened with Ruth in Boaz's field? God designed that. Now, what if I went back and I made sure I got every kernel of corn out of that field and left nothing? For anyone else to come in, the poor to receive. Would I have been violating them? Certainly. Because God says, leave something. So guess what we have now? We got a man that's hired someone and doesn't pay him at the end of the day. We got a man that's took a man's cloak and doesn't take it back to him at night. And we got a man that's got every stench of grain out of his field and we'll let anybody glean in his fields. We're taking something that's due to someone in need. And you know something about abundance? With many, when Hoarding goes up. 
helping goes down. How many overly compassionate, greedy people have you seen? Don't find them, do you? And I, I, I know we don't. This is what we find. There's a story in the 12th chapter of Luke. I want you to go there with me. Luke chapter 12. I got about 10 minutes. Luke chapter 12. Let's look at this hoarding thing. Luke 14, I'm sorry. A 14 minute? Okay, Luke 12, I'm sorry. 14 minutes. Luke 12. Here's a man in verse 16. The text says, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, I want you to mark these in your Bible because herein is his problem. There's five times we find this personal pronoun, I. Luke 16 and 17, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This I will do, and I will pull down my barns and build greater, and bestow all my goods, bestow all my goods, and I shall say to my soul, Soul. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And guess what God didn't say? Oh, you got a great portfolio. And you got a, a grand saving account. And your stock account looks good. But God says in verse number 26, But God said to him, Thou fool, this night, it shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So will he that layeth treasures up for himself and is not rich toward God. God says, you fool. Now, why was he foolish? Here's a man that's got to tear his bonds down because he has so much abundance of crop. Well, what about the man that had need? God didn't say, oh, you did a wonderful job. And he who has the most gold at the end has done the greatest. No, no, no. He said, thou fool. Why? Because there was those that had need. And he had all of this abundance. When hoarding goes up, helping goes down. Now, we're not saying don't have a nice saving account and don't have you an emergency fund. But here is the thing that we always need to understand. If we ever save at the expense of the service of God, we are wrong. Whenever we hold back and we save at the expense of the service of God, we got a problem. And I know we do. And I'm going to show you a classic example. We'll move your way up to the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's look at something together. We quote this sometimes when we doing our collection. But I want to see what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, for you know by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that through uh, his poverty, you might be rich. And here and I give my advice that is the expedient for you 
who have begun before, not only to do, but also to to be uh, forward a year ago. Now, Paul is saying there's something that you hadn't done that you should have done a year ago. And I'm going to tell you what it is. He says, for there is be first a willing mind. It is accepted according to the man that hath, and according to that he hath not. For I mean, not to the other demand to be eased and you be burdened, but an equality that now at this time your abundance may be of supply for their want, that their abundance also may be supplied for your want, that there may be equality. Now here what Paul is saying. There were poor saints in Jerusalem that needed some of the abundance that they had in Corinth. Corinth was not sending to the need of the brethren in Jerusalem. Now Paul says this thing could be a reciprocal effect. And I want you to understand. He says now they have a need. And you're not supplying it. And you have abundance. But there may come a time. When you have a need. And they have abundance. So let's be equal about this thing. Then he quotes an Old Testament passage. Now preachers love to quote this passage. brother. And we, and we look at it. And we look here in verse 15, as it's written, he that hath gathered much uh, uh, has um, uh, nothing over, and he that hath gathered little had no lack. Now, what did he quote from? You know what he says? He goes back to the Old Testament. He goes to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. He goes back to Exodus, chapter 16, verse number 18, and he showed what God did when he rained down all the quails for God's people from heaven, and they had over in abundance of what they needed. And Paul is saying, if you just give like you're supposed to give and you have abundance to give, don't worry about it. That same God can do the same thing for you that he did for them. But whatever you do, brethren, not in Corinth, don't withhold from the brethren that are in Jerusalem. You're hoarding. You're holding back a right that's due to them. I want to look at two illustrations here. You should go to Ephesians with me, chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 28 is our verse. There are three things here that we want to point out. First of all, Paul says, let him that stole steal no more. Now, stealing is basically a shortcut to honest labor. You don't want to honestly get it, so you steal it. Let him that stole steal no more. Then, let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good. Now, we can steal and be wrong, and we can work and be wrong. Now, Paul prefaces working with your hands, but then he says something at the end. The thing that's what? Good. Why? We can be working and getting what we're getting illegally and unlawfully, and it still be a sin. We're stealing by just taking, and then we're working unlawfully, and that still could be a sin. But if we work, we need to work honestly. And then thirdly, why should I do it? So that I'll be able to give to someone that has need. So what do we do? We work from the inferior to the superior. We work from taking 
to working and working because we want to be sure that we can take care of the needs of those that may have. So what does God want? God wants us in our working, in our honesty, in our working to have some wiggle room to help somebody that's got need. Luke chapter 10. I want to talk about three philosophies of life in the 10th chapter of Luke. We know the story. Start at verse 30. Of this man that was robbed. So the robber comes to him. He robs him and leaves him for dead. So the first philosophy of life in that story is you got what I want and I'm going to take it from you. Secondly, here comes the priest, looks at the man and goes on his way. The Levite comes, looks at him and goes on his way. Second philosophy of life. You got yours. And I'm going to keep, you can keep it. I got mine, and I'm going to keep it. And I'm going to go on my way, and you take care of yourself. Then there's a third philosophy of life. Here comes this Samaritan. Sees him. Puts him on his donkey. Takes him to the inn. Pays the innkeeper. Tells the innkeeper, I'm giving you this now. If there's anything else that you need, When I come back again, I'll give it to you. Here's the third philosophy of life. What I got is yours and mine, and I'm going to share it with you. And in that second part, I want us to get this with that Levite and the priest. It was a sin for them to do nothing. Sometimes we think if we don't do anything, we are all right. In closing. There's a prayer in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 30. A noble person, man seemingly of high character, by the name of Agur. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. I wonder, can we pray this prayer? Or can we make this request of God? Two things have I required of thee. Deny. Me them not before I die. What is it? Remove from me vanity and lies. God, make me honest. Give me neither poverty. God, don't make me poor. No riches. God, don't make me rich. Feed me with food convenient for me. Just give me what I need. 
Because if you don't, if I get full, I might deny you and say, who is the Lord? Unless I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. He said, if I get too much, I might deny you, Lord. If I don't have enough, I'm going to steal and dishonor your name. God, just do one thing for me. Just give me what I need. I don't want to take anything from anybody. I don't want to have over in abundance where I forget you. Just give me, God, what I need. Now, the beauty of being a thief is, is that theft can be forgiven. <laughs> That's why in Ephesians 4 and our text we just read, we got to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And thievery is after the old man. We got to be created the new man and true holiness in the likeness of God. So let us consider tonight that theft is not just picking up something out of Walmart and putting it in our pockets or putting it in our pocketbooks. It's more in-depth than that. I say to us tonight, to all of us, don't be a thief. The lesson is yours.